Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place, and I just feel your presence here strongly. I just thank you that the word of God will be lifted up in this next half hour, that you will remove anything from me that would stand in the way of what you want to accomplish with your word. It's not my word, it's yours. I pray that you give me ears to hear and eyes to see what you want me to minister through your Bible, through your word. And Lord, I pray that for the people here, that they will be touched, convicted, encouraged, pumped up, emboldened, and feeling and understanding the compassion of Jesus. Now, in the business that I used to be in, one of the things that was customary in the broadcast news business, this was before I was ever a pastor, is occasionally when you had a factual error, you were required to go up an error retraction. Uh, pastors are no different, and two months ago, I made a statement in a sermon that I have to retract, and it goes something like this. My five-year-old daughter was praying ridiculous, bold, audacious prayers about a puppy dog. And I said in the message that God may hear her prayers, but I won't. Because I was allergic to them growing up. I was traumatized by the fact that two of my dogs were hit by cars and we had to put them down. And I swore off dogs forever. As it stands, as of last night, we are now dog owners. <laughs> Which segues perfectly into our message on seeds and how that little girl sowed a seed in her daddy, and it did yield a harvest. Amen? So I want you to turn in the Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And we're in a series called Seeds. God created mankind. He gave dominion and authority in the garden to Adam and Eve. They lost that authority uh, when the snake came in. They ate the forbidden fruit. Then Jesus comes on the scene, and he buys back our authority and our ability to usher in the kingdom of God on earth. And he gave us that privilege back on the cross when he defeated the enemy. And so from that, God planted seeds. He, he talks about systems and structures of planting seed. In Genesis, all throughout that, you see seed time and harvest. He asked Adam to plant seeds. He asked him to tend the garden. So it's important that you understand that God's basic operating instructions for on earth is seed time and harvest, and it won't cease as long as heaven and earth remains. You have seeds to sow. You're sowing something. You're either sowing the word of God or you're sowing something else. And that's not just quoting scriptures. That is a cultivation of a lifestyle that reflects what this awesome book says. The question is, how do we get there? And this isn't about being legalistic and earning your salvation through works. Quite the contrary. We reap and sow under grace. Hallelujah. And that Jesus, he gives us the blueprint on how to reap a harvest in life that we reap based on what we plant. So last week, we challenged you to plant the right seeds. The seed is the word of God, which you're going to learn about today. Luke chapter 8, verse 4, I'm reading out of the New King James. It says, And when a great multitude had gathered, and when they had come to him, meaning Jesus, from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture, and some fell among 
thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So what we see in this initial text is four responses to the word of God. Four. Now, in this, Jesus isn't talking about all the other seeds that could be sown. He's talking about four responses to the word of God. He's not talking about culture and what they try to sow into our kids. He's talking about the word of God. So establishing that then, this parable is even though it's called the parable of the sowers, it actually could be called the parable of the soils and the parable of the seeds. But what I want you to see here as we go through this is that Jesus felt this was so important. It says in Mark 4, verse 34, in the New King James, you can read read it later, but it says, but without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they, the disciples, were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. So Jesus spoke in parables often, and he said, this one is important. This simple, and this is not an earth-shattering message. Many of you have heard this before, but I am convinced that the more simple God deals with us in our lives, the simpler the message, the more transformative it can be. Because we need to hear those transformative truths that can change our outcomes. How many want great outcomes in life? There should be, everybody wants good outcomes. The word of God is the key. So Jesus felt it was important enough to say, look, for those of you who are in my kingdom, you're going to have ears to hear and eyes to see. That there's people that are outside the kingdom, and there's people hanging around the kingdom. There's people loitering around the kingdom. I want you in my kingdom. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. So let's go to to the, the next verse, Luke 8, verse 11. And Jesus explains this. He says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, if we sow much, we'll reap much. I picture a field. There's, if, if, if the capacity of a field is only 10 acres, you can only get 10 acres of good soil and 10 acres of good harvest. But if you have 100 acres, you have a 100-acre harvest, right? The question is, What happens to the seed, and what about the soil, which is exactly in line with God's promise and his provision, somewhere in between there's a problem, correct? How do we get from promise to provision? Here's the problem. A couple of weeks ago, or four or five weeks ago, I preached a message called, I believe it was Elevate, and in that I talked about one of the keys, it wasn't the how-to, it was the first thing you need to look at, is what is your idol in your life that is preeminent above God? You say, well, I don't have anything. I'd like you to rethink that. Because Isaacs can happen at any moment. We have to lay our Isaacs down. It can be anything. It's subtle. It can be any of that. And and, and I think by the end of the message, this is all going to tie together. You're going to understand what I mean by that. But an Isaac represents anything that is more precious to you, could be, than God. And God will ask you to lay it down. 
He usually and almost always gives you more in return, but the test is being the willingness to lay our Isaacs down. Now, these soils that we're talking about, there's four types. The first one that we talked about is the one where it just falls, the seed is just there, and it's, it's hard. How many are golfers in here? A few of you, a few of you. Have you ever hit off what they call the hard pan? Okay, it's like, it's like hitting on this. And what happens is when, when, you, when you step up and, and, and you're about to, to take a swing on the hard pan, it literally feels like when you're coming through it, you've hit concrete. And you can actually break clubs. I mean, it happens. Not just for me throwing them and wrapping them around a tree because I'm angry at the shot that I just made. Anybody ever done that? That was my pre-pastor days, I would say. Uh, but that's a type of soil. It's interesting, in those times, that hard pan... Uh, it, it, it was a hard, hard, hard dirt. Remember, it's the parable of the soil, so it was soil. Hard, concrete-like. The, the only thing that could break that thing up would be what? Water. Right? What does water do? And all throughout the Bible, we learn about who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is representative of the water. Holy Spirit comes in in a situation that's hard, and he pours water on it, and it starts to soften it up. The Holy Spirit also is our rototill. And it goes in, and sometimes it, you know, tills it up. Sometimes it feels like a John Deere just going, you know, and just breaking that thing up. But he wants, here's the, here's the goal. He doesn't want us to be hard pan. He wants us to be open. Now, I want to go through the amplified version of this because I believe it's important. Um, this is a, another translation that, as I was studying for this, God really illuminated to me about this type of soil. So I want to put that up there. Luke chapter 8, verse 12 again. And this is out of the Amplified Version. It says, Those along the traveled road are the people who have heard. Then the devil comes, carries away the message out of their hearts, that they may not believe, acknowledge me as their Savior, and devote themselves to me, and be saved here, And hereafter. Here. 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 And hereafter. Here and hereafter. The word for this, this is, this is, this is where your eyes are going to go, wow, I get it. The Greek word for saved here and hereafter is the Greek word sothosine. It's from the Greek word, it's another derivative of the word sozo, which means to be saved, salvation, it's that word. I want to put up what Vine's expository says about that word saved. First definition of sophazine. Again, the word saved. Material, temporal deliverance from danger, suffering, sickness to be made whole. Here and hereafter. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit drop some rain on you right now. Just, just, can you feel? Can you feel the rain coming? Material and temporal deliverance from danger, suffering, sickness to be made whole. If you're like me and you see a lot of bad things happen, you're hard pan to that very message. The Holy Spirit is going to have to work on you to change your mind. Now watch this. First uh, B, part two. Spiritual and eternal salvation granted immediately by God to those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Most of you have heard that, correct? That's right. Then part C, present experiences of God's power to deliver from the bondage of sin. So that's Vine's expository, and 
uh, I, I think it's a great translation of what God's trying to say about being saved here and hereafter. Here's my point. There are people that are resistant to the gospel-saving message of Jesus, and you've probably encountered them because they're not in church today. You walk up to them, and it's like hard pan. You even mention the name Jesus, and they walk, and they bristle. And do, Does anybody in here not have friends or people or acquaintances like that? You even mention the name church, and they like the quills come out. Okay? That's a response to the saving grace message of Jesus Christ. Now, that was to people who were unbelievers. Here's where I'm going with this. The parable of the sower we often look at as people's response to that message alone. But if you read what we just read, he's also talking to the believers and their response to the seed, which is the word of God, in their lives. You tracking with me on this? It means the work of God and the word of God in his operation in the life of the believer here and hereafter. You see the difference? So verse 13, verse 13, in the, I want to read this in the, uh, in the Amplified again. It says, this is the second soil. And those upon the rock are the people who, when they hear the word, receive and welcome it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of trial and temptation, fall away, withdraw, and stand aloof. I'm a pastor. My heart is for you. You know how much it grieves me when somebody, they raise their hand for salvation on Easter and I don't see them for another six months? They got something in them. Jesus. Short of extorting and bribery to get them back here, you know, I want to do anything that I can as a pastor to see that they get this awesome word. It's good news. Shouldn't we be selling it like that? But we don't sell it like that. We, we make excuses for God. Can, can I just propose this? That God doesn't need our excuses. He just needs our hearts. He can do anything. And he wants us to win. And, and these outcomes that we're talking about here, I want to speak to you guys because you're in here hearing this message. This message is primarily for the believer in here. Your response to the word of God will dictate your outcomes. Now, here's the thing. This isn't just about health or money. This can go through anything. This can come down to humility, can come down to forgiveness. For instance, if you sow pride, do you know that you'll reap a harvest of pride? And everyone you come into contact with will be, you'll notice that you're going to have to face the very thing that you're sowing. Gosh, everyone around me is so egotistical. Meanwhile, God's going, listen, hard pan, look at yourself. Listen, look at yourself. It's coming back. It's just banging, and I'm missing it. You know pastors can miss this. Forgiveness is another one. Okay, I'm just going to hit some of these things to get you where I'm, to understand the difference. There's the hard pan. So we hear a message on forgiveness. It's good to forgive, right? Some people in there won't, won't hear it immediately. They don't have ears to hear. They're like that rock. They're the hard pan. Other people will hear it for a while, and it'll get kind of, you know, but it's shallow, and it goes away. Or maybe they hear that message, and it goes a little deeper, but then things happen, and then other things come in, and they stop going to church, and they forget how to forgive. You know friends like that? Here's, here's the point. God wants you to be soil number four, which is to bear 
I like the hundredfold. I don't know about you. So under grace, if you sow forgiveness, if you sow humility, if you sow what God's word says, do you know that you'll reap a harvest? For instance, if you want friends, you have to sow friendliness. How do I do that? I've been hurt. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to identify where the weeds are and get the weeds off your seeds. Cultivating and tending your garden is huge. Jesus talks about soils. So I want you to, I want you to look at this here. I want you to look at five hindrances that steal the word. Okay? In two and three, the batch number two and three, I'm not talking about the wayside person. I'm not talking about the person on the hard pan. And I will tell you, in Christian life, you will meet and encounter other Christians who will tell you not to share the gospel of Jesus. And they're Christians, allegedly. They'll say, don't do that. Why? Well, because people will just not listen to you. I think it's rather arrogant of me to not share the good news of Christ when he's done such a great work for me. That's good news. Why wouldn't you, right? But what does the devil do? Well, well, who do you think you are, you hypocrite? I'm a hypocrite. Are you? I do things sometimes that I know not to do, that I preach about, that I shouldn't do, but oh, I do. I knew it. He's a phony. I knew it. Well, in some areas, but if we're going to be real, there's areas where I can be. I have to allow God to change that and get the weeds off my seeds, amen? Whatever that is. So here's the lie. Okay, let's talk about persecution. And again, this is, goes back to soils two and three. Uh, and even, even the first one. Persecution is an attack on your beliefs. So here's the truth. The Bible is filled with good news. We know that. Here's the lie. I can't share it. People won't believe it. It could cost me my job. Now, there's a subtle way to go about sharing the good news, and this is something I'm going to probably preach on at some point down the road, but you know the best example as a Christ follower in the workplace to share the good news is to be a good worker. You know, Good actions, they see that you're dependable, reliable, employable. But God will open up opportunities if the Holy Spirit is the one who's the rototill and he brings the rain, only God can make it grow. If we allow the soil there, then in certain moments, and I know this to be true because I used to be a non-pastor and I was in a very, very tough industry that used profanity, every other word to describe something, they would tell you uh, that... When I had that moment, I would ask the Holy Spirit to share a word, and God would open that door. Your job is to plant the seed and ask God to provide the environment for you to share the word. Amen? The persecution is, well, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? Watch God. You want a harvest in life? You want to have a, a great outcome in, in your life? I'm going to tell you, if you don't share the gospel with loved ones and people about what he's doing in your life, you're not living the abundant life. I'm sorry, you're not. If you share with people how God is doing something in your life, whatever it is, don't discount that seed no matter how small. If God has delivered you from something, anything, uh, uh, any type of situation, give him the glory and say, you know, I'm not the best at doing this, but I, God just impressed on my heart to share this. Do you know how many people you'll touch if you just are open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do? And it's arrogant of me as a pastor sometimes to sit and expect everyone else to do it if I'm not going to do it. 
because I can lock myself up in the back cave and never ever see anybody, right? We are doers of the word. We need to do that. Well, persecution comes in and tries to steal the word. Then the, the second one is, well, here's a couple more things. It, it, could it cost you your job? Could it cost you your reputation? It could, but I will say this. Anything you do for the gospel's sake, God will bring a 30, 60, 100-fold return on every appropriate seed that you plant. Amen. You lose that job, he'll give you a better one, 30, 60, 100-fold. This is really good preaching. Your response is just overwhelming. Here's one. When, you hear, when somebody hears the word of God about the goodness of God, somebody, the enemy is just like that. He'll just come up and say to you, oh, there goes those Christians again trying to get their hopes up. How dare you, Pastor Ryan, get your hopes up? <laughs> trying to get their expectations and believing in the goodness of God. Who do you think you are? Look at this world that we live in. Exactly. Be the agent of change and plant a harvest. You will have persecution. That's a fact. Affliction. You will have affliction. The enemy comes in. He'll use words like, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, and by golly, people don't like you. Even Stuart Smalley. Veiled reference, Saturday Night Live, probably 1986, maybe. I don't know. That dates me a little. But the lie chips away at the truth of God. You're not good enough to have financial freedom. You're not smart enough. The enemy just lies at you, and then other people will lie. Do you know that this book is all you... This is the power to reap financial health. This word, not the government, not bailouts. This word will get you your divine health. It will get you your divine healing. It will get your divine freedom from lack in any area. Well, you're trying to get their hopes up again. Exactly. Because my faith is not in this, it's not, it, my faith is not in the currency. My faith is in this word. And this word doesn't fail. If this word's failing, then there's something I need to look at. Perhaps I've got some weeds on my seeds. And God is a fruit inspector. He looks at us because he cares for us. So here's the third one, the cares of this world. What worries you? If you have kids, you worry. Parents, now, I don't have teenage kids yet. I've just got five-year-olds that pray the world in and ask for dogs, and they get it. But someday, little Faithy, I mean, she's a cute little cow. I mean, you know, she's very, very outgoing, too. I mean, she, she can, I, I think she might be a movie star, Hope. I don't know. But, but uh, anyway, she, she, as she, her personality is very engaging. Well, let me just tell you, that's great for right now, but when she's 16, Houston, we have a problem. Here comes Daddy. I'm a pastor, and I know how to use it. <laughs> so, so, okay, so there is, there is, as a parent, you worry about your kids, but Jesus says we're not to. So how do we do that? How do we, because when your foundation in is what his word says, I'm going to tell you when the storms hit, and they will, you have to have some roots in something that is stronger than your emotions, because your emotions will drive you crazy. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and little Johnny hasn't called, and I know he went downtown with some of his friends at that bar he shouldn't have gone with. And don't look at me so innocent, all of you here are over the age of 21. I caused my parents a lot of grief, too. 
But we have cares. It can be anything. Financial can be anything. Okay, then the deceit of riches. Here's one, guys. Here's what freed me from all of this. We're stewards of money. It's God's kingdom. He gives us opportunity to do with it. We, we talk a little about, if you come to this church, we understand the tithing principle and how that's released. We tithe under the grace, not the law. But that, that principle works, giving the first tip. Financial freedom is a promise in the Bible. But I'll tell you, if you're like me, it doesn't, we're, we're more like, we're more like crockpots, not microwaves. We're processes. I like the microwave approach to financial freedom. Amen? But God, as we said in the first part of this, this, this series, in Seeds Part 1, God sets up systems in order. Why? Because he wants you to sustain it so that you can be blessed to be a blessing, not to consume on the cares of this world or riches that are deceitful. I know many people who put their stock in their 401k plan in 2008 lost millions. It can go just like that. But when you sow up treasures in heaven, it stays. And here's the part about that saved. Remember we used the word saved, sothozine? Did it not say here and hereafter? So there's a double win. God himself will look after you personally. But if you oppose him, because pride says, I can, I can manage my own money, I'm good, I'm self-sufficient, I can do it all. I'm the man, I'm the man. That's pride. And you know what? Not only do you have to deal with the enemy, you have to deal with God because God's word says he opposes the proud. When you're sitting there going, devil, get off my finances and really what you're doing, or devil, get off this area of my life and what you're really opposing is God himself because you're prideful. I'm prideful. At times we get there. These are little weeds in our seeds in the gardens that we have to look at. Here's the last one. The lust of other things. Who's the next American idol? You know, it's interesting. I mean, that thing had ridiculous ratings over the course of the thing. But you know how life is, you know, has cycles and stuff like that? Is that show even on anymore? Is it still on? Okay. Does anybody still watch it? Seriously, I mean, raise your hand if anybody still watches it. Few, few here and there? I never watched it personally. But I remember in the early days of that, people would do anything short of selling their soul to the devil himself to get five minutes of fame. Do you know that, I mean, that can be a distraction to your spiritual life if left unchecked? <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with singing. Are you getting my point, though? People can get intoxicated with fame. That can be a lust of something. It can be sex. It can be people worship. It can be packer worship. Oh, no, brother. I, I don't like this. I don't like this church. This church, man, you know, they're just too hard. They, you know, now you've gone too far. By the way, my remedy for all of you, I, first of all, I looked at the schedule. Uh, thank you, first of all, for coming to our 1045. Second of all, I'd like to introduce you to the concept called the DVR. And if we have a noon game, you can DVR the, the noon game starting at noon. You can come here, turn your radio off, drive straight to wherever it is that you need to eat. I'd recommend eating at home. DVR it and catch kickoff, and by halftime, you're completely caught up. Ask me how I know, because I do that. Because I have to be here. Amen? But uh, I'm digressing and off on another thing. Uh, the point is, is that I, my expectation is come to the 1045 in the fall. And by the way, there's only, I think there's 
there's no noon kickoffs until October. So uh, learn how to use your DVR by October, amen? And if you don't have one, get one. Now, see, that, first of all, is ridiculous, and I'm even having to sell you on that. That's how bad we are here. And if you're a Bears fan or a Vikings fan, we don't care. <sighs> now that I, is there anybody in the room I have not offended today? Anyone? <laughs> all right. Luke chapter 8, verse 15. This is the conclusion. I like this verse. This is, this is my verse. I like it. But as for that seed in the good soil, these are the people who, hearing the word, hold it fast in a just, noble, virtuous, and worthy heart, and steadily, say steadily, bring forth fruit with patience. I like steadily. Steadily is steady. It, it, it's sustaining. It's, it's, you know, I'm not seeing it overnight. But I want to, and I didn't even mention this in the first service, and it just kind of hit me too, is because it's not all about me and it's not all about you, sometimes people need to see steady in you while you're getting through the getting through. And that wasn't in the first service. That's for somebody here today. Some of the stuff that you're going through, the persecutions and all of that, whatever it is, there are people that are watching you and they're watching how you handle the environments that you're in and they're going to see the outcomes that God has for you, but there's going to be things that they're going to be looking at how you handle that and your steady is going to help them come to a deeper revelation of who Jesus really is. This is, this is crucial. The problem I have with that verse, and it's just a little one, I don't like the patience part. Because that means I have to wait. That means here's the promise, here's the provision. Okay, we've identified Holy Spirit, the problem. I'm planting the seed of the Word of God. And I've got all these good, awesome seeds in the ground. Can we just speed it up a little bit, please? But we are a process. And overnight, systematically, if you sow church, you'll reap it. Uh, people say, well, can't I just... Can I just attend church every once in a while? You absolutely can, and you'll yield that result. You can absolutely attend whenever. And by the way, we love people to come whenever. We love it. Uh, but I'm going to say this. Church shouldn't be something that's just on the schedule. It's not what you attend. It's who you are, and you need to be here, not just for you, but for someone else who needs you. Because you know what? We all need each other. And there's a word that may be there for you that day that will carry you through, not just for you, but for someone else. Because it's about the kingdom, it's about him, and it's not about us. It's about him and infecting this world that is grieving over the Denver, Colorados today. They need something. They need you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that means we have to learn to be patient. So if you want to learn patience, you have to sow patience. That means God may allow you to be in situations where you are impatient, impatient. He'll put you in environments at times that aren't quick fixes. Sometimes you have to go through the getting through. And that's why I say it is important to understand what the Word of God says on any one of those environments. I've seen quick fixes in people. They don't work. You know that 70% of most athletes, I believe this was a statistic in Sports Illustrated a long time ago, but a lot of pro athletes, and I, I used to interview them all the time, they didn't understand how to say no to people. And they lost their money within five years. Five years, gone. 
Now, many of them have learned and they have great programs in the NFL and whatnot, but I have good friends that have lost everything because they didn't know how to say no to the leeches and the people that would use them for their money. Amen? And that's terrible. The point is, is that a lot of them didn't have life coaches to help teach people how to live God's way. And that means saying no to the wrong people and saying yes to the right people. Means, it means being a part of something larger than yourself. And a lot of them didn't have mentors and coaches, and so they're, they're trying to figure it all the way out. I, I don't think we're much different, guys, and it can be in a totally different area, but insert you and I into if it's an area of forgiveness, if it's an area of holding. Maybe you, maybe you hold a grudge. Maybe you hold a really tight grudge. You'll reap that. Now, God loves you, and he forgives you, and under grace, praise God that we don't earn our salvation. God gives that. But you'll reap that in the here. And you have to learn to let that go. Well, how do you do that? You sow seeds that counter that. You want to hear one? Here's what I would counsel someone after the proper grieving time in Denver. Here's what I would counsel them. You need to have, be honest with God about your emotions. You need to be honest about how ticked off you are. You need to tell him how you're feeling. David did this in the Psalms. And then at some point, God is going to ask you, to take a tangible step to forgive. I've seen people write forgiveness letters to people who have done horrible, horrifying things, people who were abused. You know who you should listen to is a, is a lady named Joyce Meyer. Her story of abuse is unbelievable how she got through that. But you're going to have to take a tangible seed to plant that, to break the cycle of unforgiveness. It may be writing a letter to someone you're ticked off at. God will give you whatever it is. He will help you plant a seed. It can be anything. If you're prideful, you can ask him to remove that by taking a, a step that, that sows humility uh, in our marriage. Uh, most of the time, hope is right. Occasionally, I am. And uh, it took me forever to learn that. I'm still, I'm still learning that. And I'm about to close, by the way, because I don't want to get myself in trouble. Uh, but in our relationship, and I think I said this last week, too, what I say to her is a seed. How I treat her is a seed. Uh, another pastor said to me once, he said, she is a product of your husbandry, and if she's not blooming, you know who you need to look at? Me. And it has to, ch have to change my words. If I want good outcomes in our marriage, I need to start doing random dates. I need to date my wife revelation. It was amazing. She just flowed. I mean, she could do no wrong when we dated. Could do no wrong. But then we get married. Bad breath sets in. Fights set in. And all of a sudden, negotiations get a little more intense. And I learned that I was crushing her with my words early in my marriage. I was calling her things. Some of them were four-letter. But you're a Christian. I know none of you have ever used four-letter words since you came to Jesus, but I have. And I was ashamed that I did. But repentance is going back to her and saying, sweetheart, the way I acted was like a complete and total moron. And not only because of what I said to you, now I'm, because true repentance is changing it and planting a different seed, now uh, not only do I ask you to forgive you, now I'm going to go and make steps to remediate the problem, and uh, where do you want to go to dinner? which can get costly, by the way. So my advice to you is just say you're sorry, don't do it in the first place, and you'll be a, it'll be great on your wallet. 
Are you guys receiving some of this? Whatever the area is, whatever the hindrance, whatever the weed is on your seeds, the Holy Spirit is the rototill. Wherever you stand in those four soils, on any issue that the Word of God addresses, not only do you need to look at it through the lens, am I hard pan? Am I the, the one where it just bounces off? Am I soil number two, which is shallow, just kind of shallow, and it, it preached good on Monday, but, you know, I'm back to the same old, same old on the next Sunday. Is it a little deeper, but, you know, I got distracted, and I'm out of church, and, you know, I don't want to hang around Christians because they're sometimes mean. Well, that's the human race. That's why they need Jesus. And number four, the good soil, the hang in there, bearing fruit, steady, eddy, easy as you come, go just loving God. No matter what hurricane comes against you, you're unshakable, you're unmovable. Nothing can phase you. Look at the Apostle Paul. Well, who do you think you are, Paul? I'll put you in jail. Fine, I'll pray to God. They'll shake the foundations of the jail and we'll get the guy saved, the jailer. Okay, what about whippings and lashings 39 times, the, the horrifying beatings? My God will give me grace to endure that and I'll witness beyond that. Okay, we'll kill you. Fine, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Unstoppable, unstoppable. How many want to be unstoppable? Plant the seed, this seed, and remove the weeds from your seeds. Amen.